Good morning. <laughs> it's Tuesday, June 13th, 2023. A fine day it is. That's just the best. Makes you want to drink already, doesn't it? I mean, uh, like a bourbon on the rocks. <laughs> Something I would never drink. Um, tell you what, had a couple of effing cold days. I mean, it was, man, it was cold yesterday. We were out uh, at one point in time, a little story about that coming up in a bit, but we were on the middle of the day yesterday for, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, and it was sunny and it didn't feel so bad. But when the sun went away, it was not. It was not a June weather day yesterday. It wasn't a June weather day on Sunday. It will not be a June weather day today. It will not be 60 degrees here. Tomorrow, it will be over 80. <laughs> we'll go to Wisconsin. Oh, the weather can change on a dime. Um, I don't know why that's my voice for that. I, I can do lots of voices, and I don't know, I don't know why that one is. Um, I'll have to work on that. Any new voices? Um, I uh, the more people are listening to this, and the more people are now, you know, like friends and people I know who are interacting with me. I'm <laughs> in a very, I'm sure it's a very sweet way, uh, learning about all of my picadillos. <laughs> um, I was reminded on Saturday of my uh, habit in a very funny way. And yesterday I was told that <clears throat> that um, I use the phrase at the end of the day a lot. And I know I do. And what I hate about, like the first time I heard myself do one of those, it, when I was listening to the uh, podcast back, I just, you can't stop hearing it. Now it is the mo- it's the loudest thing that happens to me during the course of a day. Now... Uh, that it was pointed out to me that I say at the end of the day a lot. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm going to hear that all the time. Uh, that's funny to me. All right, let's see. Let's do a joke of the day today. I'm pretty excited about it. It's a thinking man's uh, joke today. And I could tell it one of two ways, but I'm going to tell it. This is the way I've chosen to tell it. <clears throat> Excuse me, 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 me. Time for joke of the day. All right. What's the difference between a poorly dressed man on a tricycle and a well dressed man on a bicycle? A tire. <laughs> so you could have done that. What's the difference between a poorly dressed man on a bicycle and a well dressed man on a unicycle? <laughs> Which would have been kind of fun too. So. Anyway, that's the joke of the day. Hope you enjoy. Ah, what am I grateful for? This music just makes me kind of relax a little bit. Get into my grateful mode. Kind of bebop into this right now. What am I grateful for today? Simple ingenuity. That's one thing. Um, we have... I am... I, I mean... I, on my gravestone, there will be something about the fact that 
if I could pay more for something, I'm in. Like I, I just like to, I like to get the best. I like to, you know, you get an app and there's a, uh, oh, but you can get the pro version or you get the upgraded version. Oh, there's an upgraded version that I could pay for. Why don't I do that? See, now there's a voice I could do. Um, so anyway, when we were building the house and we were getting around to our landscaping, um, we were we wanted to do rock in some areas right around the patio so that we wouldn't have to be dealing with mulch all the time. And so we wanted a dark um, stone to offset the lightness of the patio. And so when we were talking to our landscaper, I just go to this place. They'll have bins and bins of rocks. You can just drive around and... Um, you know, find what you like in a dark rock and then we'll get that. He said, but just don't get this one. And I, I can't remember the name of it, but he said, don't get this one. I didn't remember, but from the time he told us that to the time we went to look at the rock, I didn't remember the name of it either. Um, so we're driving around. We're looking at some of the rocks. Some of it was too big. Some of it wasn't really dark enough. Some of it, was, whatever, right? And then we come by this one bin and I'm like, wow, look at that rock. That is so cool and lisa's like oh my gosh that's that i mean so unique and we're like probably the rock he's talking about right because i mean and he said don't get that rock because it's just too expensive and but now we've seen it and we can't we almost can't go back so we call him he's out of the state at this time this is a saturday and he's, I don't know, he's in Oakland. I don't know why anybody goes to Oakland. But anyway, he was in Oakland. And um, we said, hey, you know, we found this rock. And we're like, is this the rock? And he goes, yeah, that's, that's the rock. All right. Well, between this rock and that rock, what's the price difference? And the reason we want to know is if it's within a range, we're getting the good rock. So he goes, you're going to have to give me a few minutes. I'm, I'm going to jump off and I'll... I'll make some phone calls and find out. Okay. So we're waiting. And while we're waiting, is like we, we're setting our range. We're like, okay, if it's this much more, then we won't do it. If it's this much more, it's still a little bit of a decision. If it's only this much more, we're doing it. Right? Like, and we just had three points of reference that would make our decision for us. And it came in well within the acceptable limit. So we have this rock and I, I, this is a, uh, what I'm grateful for, but I, I just, I, here's, I'm grateful for ingenuity. Okay. So just, I, I'm almost there. So we get this rock. It looks spectacular. Everyone look, I shouldn't say everyone. There are people that will never comment on our cool stuff because they don't want us to know that they think we have cool stuff. So I get that. But then there are people like I had the meter man say, dude, where'd you get this rock from? This is amazing. Because the, the meter man actually has to walk across the rock to get to the meters to read them. Had an Amazon guy uh, ask about the rock. Uh, just happened to be outside at the same time. So I know it's unique and I know that it's pretty cool, right? Like it's cool, but it's hot. That's This is where we're getting into the ingenuity part. What we found out was, I mean, this is logic that you just don't, you know this logic, but you don't think of how it'll impact you. Um when you do it so we get this rock it's black what does black do in the sun it gets hotter than everything so some plants in our flower beds weren't able to 
handle the heat and had to come out. Um, so uh, this spring, we had some of those plants removed. And we decided that we were going to just, we went and bought some nice pots and we we're just going to put annuals there. Uh, so we, get, we were looking for a pop color anyway. And a lot of perennials, it's hard to get good color out of. So anyway, um, we get some perennials. Well, the perennials are burning up in there. Or I'm sorry, the annuals. The annuals are burning up in there in those pots. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I had this idea. Let's go get a couple chunks of the rock that we have, this outcropping stone that kind of forms our flower beds. I said, let's go get some of this rock, and we'll put, like, we'll just, where those plants were, we'll just put, like, a nice size, big, chunky rock in there, and then we'll put the planters on that. So we go and we find the thin version of our outcropping stone. So it's only, I don't know, maybe an inch, inch and a half thick. But about 8 million pounds. Um, anyway, Lisa and I, because I, this is what I do. I, we figured out how to get it out. We had a young kid with no shirt on, which I'm sure Lisa enjoyed, helping us move, throw this rock into the back of my truck. And uh, my SUV, another story on that coming up in a little bit. This is going to be a long podcast just because I'm on grateful point number one. Anyway, uh, so we throw it in there. I figure out a way that Lisa and I, with our minimal strength, can get this thing off and get it into the backyard and into its place. So we do this and it is successful. We get it to where it is and our plants are surviving and one might even say thriving. Yep. Mm -hmm. Simple ingenuity. All right, so second thing I'm grateful for. <laughs> uh, my new office layout is a front row seat to Robin's building a nest right out my window. I'm not kidding you. They're building a nest three feet from me. And I have this giant window. It's not giant. I mean, it's a big window. And uh, I watch them hop around on the ground with all this stuff in their mouth and then fly into the tree from underneath. And I can't see what they're doing inside because the tree is really full. Um, but the, it is neat. I've never seen birds you know, be bopping around with, be bopping around is my new thing. Damn it, I got a new thing um, with with stuff in their mouth. Um, point number four that I am grateful for, Pepto-Bismol. Yesterday in the afternoon, suddenly, this is after the heartburn. Oh, I haven't told you that story yet. Anyway, this is a little bit later on in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, I got, I mean, I got sick. I got like, oh, I uh, like getting the kind of sweats, like I'm going to throw up kind of a, like, oh, I am not. This is not good, and I, my stomach is just, oh, it was not good. And I have not thrown up uh, since the mid-'90s. And I know people aren't going to believe that, but I have not thrown up since the mid-'90s. I remember where I was, remember what happened, I remember where I did it, I remember everything about it, I've not thrown up since then. Terry and Barb Holt's kitchen sink at a party. I went to a party while I was sick, and I told my friend, I'm not coming because I don't feel good. Oh, come on, a couple drinks, you'll feel better, he said. Okay, that made perfect logical sense at the time. So well, that's what we did. And I drank, got sick, threw up in the kitchen sink. A friend of mine passed out in a bathtub that night, and so I remember very distinctly. Uh, so uh, it's been a long time. I am also grateful for that. I have not thrown up since the mid-'90s. Uh, Pepto-Bismol was my friend yesterday. I took it 10 minutes. It felt great. Awesome. Also good for, grateful for a good night's sleep and... That's what I'm grateful for. Make sure you remember to be grateful for things. I'm very deeply grateful for things today, as you may may understand. But tell people that you're grateful for them. It's a nice thing to do. So what's eating kale today? 
trying to speed things up here a little bit. What's eating kale today? Uh, a couple things. So we're going to get into one thing right now. We will uh, stop that, and we will, or we won't stop that. I must have hit that twice. Uh, anyway, uh, we are now 44 days late with the payments from our big investments. Um, moving right along. That's right. Had a nice long conversation with Carol Sombri. Sup, dog? Uh, we got a selfish dog. And she's super annoying to the other dogs. She wants, like, if we have toys out, she just, she wants every toy. She watches them eat. And then when they're done, she goes to their bowl and eats whatever's left over. Um, she'll sit and bark at a dog who's not, who's got the toy or the chewy thing uh, next to him and they're not eating it anymore. She'll sit and bark at him until she can get at it. She won't go and grab it, but she'll, it, she's just a, a real pain in the butt. So, this is the conversation I had with Carol yesterday about that. We have a dog, uh, our youngest dog, in fact, and she believes that everything is hers. And so when it comes to treat time, we give them like the quizzles and uh, we got that snail. And so they, they, they all have these little challenges, but she works on hers and keeps an eye on the other two. And if the other two even so much as look away from their toy, she's in. And then she'll also, when she's done with hers, just sit there and stare and bark at them until she can get it, until she can get their toy. What's up with that? <laughs> um, you're probably not going to love my answer, uh, but she's being a dog. It's my fault. It's my fault. It's always my fault. <laughs> no, no, she's being a dog. So, oh, you know, <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you something. Um, let's see. Do you, I'm going to guess you put your money in the bank. Yes. Whenever there you is lock any. your you lock your car when you go somewhere? Yes. Okay. And I'm gonna get personal now. Do you like if you have a favorite candy or food, okay. might you hide it from Lisa? Um, there might be some things that we both like. Uh that that line doesn't like with snacks, it doesn't cross very much, but I get what you're saying. Would I if we both love to snack, what yes, I would. Okay, so to give you uh, my example is I have a very, very close friend and she brings me these truffles all the time from Chicago and they're fabulous. You know, they're probably, you know, three, four dollars for a little truffle, I'm guessing. And um, my husband will steal them and he'll say, oh, yeah, they were good. (laughs) And so literally I will guard my truffles. I hide them. He doesn't usually know when I have them. Actually, my friend has gone to buying an extra box for him. Um, But you know, because we guard what we consider valuable. So <laughs> I know rude. it's hard pill to swallow sometimes, but um, normal canine behavior linked to survival. If she did not do that, she would not be here. Wow. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking dogs today, basically. Wow. So it is extremely normal for, for any species to guard what they consider valuable. But why don't the other dogs, the other dogs don't seem to be like that. There are some people, including myself, who believe females are more likely to guard. Um, the, I don't have science for this, but my philosophy and many others is that they they have the puppies, so they're more likely to guard. As a female, I know you hopefully don't get any bad feedback for this. I would say that's true in my household, <laughs> other than the remote, which I could oh, care less about. Oh, yeah. No, it is 100% true in our relationship, 100%. <laughs> um, the, yes. uh, but I'll say this, that she is the only female in the house. Mm-hmm. And I also wonder, you know, like, 
I, I in in a weird way, like she's a survivor. She's the one that had the medical issues. She's the one that mm-hmm. you know she's kind of gone through uh, mm-hmm. a lot more than the other dogs. Uh, and she's so happy and joyful all the time, except then. Then it's sort of like, uh, no, that's mine too. If she could have all the toys sitting in front of her, she would be happy. Um, well, it's just and think amazing. about it. It's constantly fluid, though, Hale. I mean, and I'm not saying like with the re- with the shoes, it might not be. But, you know, I always joke my husband, you know, my husband, if you will, hoards or guards the remote. But to be honest with you, I'm not a TV watcher, so I could care less. Okay, but don't come in the kitchen while I'm cooking. Okay, don't take my truffles. So a lot of times it's very fluid based on the value of the resources. Um, But again, I as somebody who's worked with dogs for many, many years. I tend to see it more in the females and I tend to see it more in the survivors. Like you said, you know, most most behaviors that you see like this guarding is, you know, a fear of I'm going to lose my resource. Hmm. So why is she like that? Well, early deprivation will absolutely cause that in any species. Okay. Um, Any early deprivation, um, early trauma, you know, and we used to think dogs, you know, they had this brain that they lived in the moment, um, things like that. And you know what, what we're finding is that's just not true that they, they live full emotional lives and their brain is much like yours and mine and does you know, experience trauma and does experience um, deprivation and has, you know, there's, there's consequences for that, you know, um, afterwards they're, you know, they're not the same. What are we doing to exacerbate the problem or what could we be doing to fix the problem? Okay. So no, it's a great question. And you know what, Kale, I I don't ever think of it as you're doing anything wrong. You know what? I always say we're acting like humans. You do. do, You do think we do things wrong. You just put it better. We act like humans, you know, and yeah. they act like dogs. And, you know, everything we do when we when we bring another species into our home is to kind of find that compromise. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do say in order to change our dog's behavior, we must change ours. I don't doubt that we, we have okay. the control. So, right? so, so what, totally. you know, so why it happens again, normal canine behavior linked to survival. I think we tend to make it worse. Um, dogs have the mentality of a toddler. So a lot of times what happens is new dog comes in the home, says, you know, mine, oh, uh, I, this is my space, move away or growls, and then we correct them. So dogs are associative learners, meaning they learn by association. The leash means we're going for a walk. The bowl means we're going to eat. You go in a certain cabinet, it means that you're going to get them a treat, okay? Right. So now they start associating the other dog coming over with them getting in trouble. So we yank at their leash or tell them, no, knock it off. So now just the mere presence of the other dog creates negative experiences. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes we add fuel to the fire by correcting them. Wow. Okay. So. Is it different can, if, Is it different when we correct them versus if the other dog corrects them? Well, they know we're not dogs. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think growling is, you know, there is some what we call ritualized aggression, which means just some low level conflict that exists in multi-dog homes that, you know, the dog saying mine move away. And the other dog goes, okay, cool. You know, there's kind of, there can be low level, you know, correction and that's part of normal life. I mean, nobody gets along all the time. I don't care what your species are. So, you know, I follow a couple simple rules to counterbalance this normal canine behavior that's linked to survival. Okay, I'm making okay. notes right now. 
Okay. Well, and, and I want to make one comment before I say that. You know, think about this. You mentioned your your dog. Your your dog came from a less than ideal situation. Sometimes it can even play into how many dogs were in the litter. Mm. How many um, it, did did they feed out of one bowl? So was there ten puppies? So has your dog comp- been competing for resources since the day her little feet hit the ground? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I mean, just like you and I, I mean, if you came from a family of 15 children, you never had enough to eat. Oh, yeah. You might be a little bit more about guarding your things from Lisa. Got it. Okay. Some dogs can never, never be together for high value resources. So I am a multiple dog person and I separate usually for high value resources. Um, actually went to the park yesterday. They all had a resource and a chew together. However, um, I don't do that on a normal basis because I don't want them to have something that they enjoy like a chew and have to be worried if somebody's standing over them or watching them or going to take it. So separate, we, we recommend separating for all feeding. Most people will tell you to separate for high value because now you're going one level up from the feeding when you give a chewy. Yeah. And so, so literally baby gates, when they have a chewy, and make positive associations when the dogs come together. So I always play something called like the name game. And I'll just literally say each of their names and I'll give them a treat. So dog number one, treat. Dog number two, treat. Dog number three, treat. So they're learning to share in Got a positive, it. relaxed environment. So I played something as simple as the name game every day to keep associations positive. I don't create any competition and I separate for high value resources. So in that moment when they're all sitting there and you're giving, okay, I get that. That's a, that's a great little trick right there. I, I will make sure we do that. Now, normally when we give them the chew toy in the evening, they go off initially into their own space. Right. Mm-hmm. But then uh, they, you know, they don't, I, this is what I think. And of course this is just me being a sappy human being, but um, I, then they all wind up in the living room with us because I feel like, I'd rather be out here with everybody else or with the people. Um, and so they end up in the living room. And then that's when she starts, you know, honing in on them and, and uh, watching what they're doing. Again, they're trying to go to their safe place, but then they also want to be by you. And then if one gets done earlier or again, any behavior that's rehearsed, whether it's teaching your dog to sit or teaching them to be competitive over meals, just becomes a really nice, well-ingrained behavior pattern to the brain. So we don't like it, but when we give them a treat, we should, we should force the separation. We should mm-hmm. actually give it to them in separate areas mm-hmm. and, and maybe ensure that they're going to stay. You know, and that can be simple as one's outside, one's in another room, one's with a baby gate. If the two young ones, you don't see this competition, I'd look real carefully because canine um, communication is very subtle, but you know, at least separate her out because at, again, at best, you're creating a stressful environment. You're, you know, you're now, I'm now getting my truffle, but somebody's standing over my shoulder to see if I'm going to eat them. <laughs> Boy, your husband's done a number on you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just try to compare it to dogs. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not no, I'm kidding. You, know, kidding, but you really are you attached can... to those truffles. I can, I can tell <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> You know, again, it's our responsibility. You know, I don't sound like crazy dog lady, but I know I will. Um, you know, it's our responsibility when we bring in multiple dogs. They didn't get to choose to live together. So yeah. it's our responsibility to try to set up the environment so everybody feels calm, relaxed, and happy, and there's not a competitive environment. And I think that around mealtimes, around high value resources, that is our responsibility. And even if they can share, or even if they haven't had a fight, 
it doesn't mean that it's a healthy environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you think that we'll, I mean, I, and we'll just try it. I mean, we'll just do that, but I wonder if we'll have a problem because they want to be in the same room, you know, they want it with us. And so I don't know how. We oh, could. so yeah. So then it was so, you know, I tend to plan my chewies like when I'm doing things like when I feel like when I'm having social time, you know, then the dogs like to be by us. Yes. But like if I'm busy and I'm up and down and I'm moving around, then that's a lot of times when I plan my chewies. So I, nice. I really literally plan uh. my chewies around my day to not interfere with social time because I do feel like social time is such an important need for our dogs. I can't believe it. You solved the problem, my friend. Carol Sumbry, thank you very much once again for all of your insights and all of your <clears throat> great expertise that you provide to us. Um, I, I am talking to people and they, they have their own dog problems and, and I'll bring some of them to light. But selfishly, I'm going to do mine first because it's my show. Anyway, that's what's eating kale today. Uh, coming up this week, Tom Parker, a music review with Ben Holtz. Um, and a very special Saturday broadcast. Uh, until then, make it a good one.